Welcome to episode 11 of Now We're Talking, a podcast about communication skills. My name is Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo in Canada, and um, I'm a professor of communication. And we've been talking some about uh, small group communication practices in the last couple of, of episodes. Today, I want to return to interpersonal communication, and I want to return to the very first episode of the podcast. Um, and in a lot of ways, this is a, it's an emotional and difficult and uh, really important episode. Uh, and I want to get more involved in the conversation from that first uh, episode. And in the first episode of the podcast, I was trying to say that communication was not a matter of transmission. That the question was never, the question you should ask is never, did someone else get it? Did they understand or did they receive my message? But the question you should always be asking is, what effect have I had? Not, did you get it? And I was trying to sketch out a model of communication around this kind of concept of producing effects. Well, I want to come back today to that kind of broad uh, perspective on communication and try to understand it in relationship to our deepest, most intimate uh, closest relationships, particularly relationships with our lovers or partners or husbands or wives or girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever word you want to to use to describe it. Um, these are perhaps our most important relationships. They bring us the most joy or the most pain. Um, they produce the most difficulties uh, and the greatest kind of moments of happiness at the same time. They often are what we cite as the things that are most valuable or important to us. Um, and many of us, uh, myself included, don't always handle those relationships very well. And many of us are not experts at the communicative practices necessary to form uh, functional and, but not just functional, a really rewarding and beautiful kind of interpersonal connection. Um, so with that in mind, I, I want to start, uh, so let's start by talking a little bit about the what effect have I had, not did you get it thing. When you are in an intimate relationship with someone, or if you imagine in your head the person that you are closest to, what you need to see is that the person closest to you is the person you have the most profound, deepest, and consistent effect on. So sometimes you can go out into the world and communication practices are about producing effects. I just had a plumber at my house to help me with a plumbing problem and we communicated and I produced effects on him and he produced effects on me. I could trust him more, not trust him more, think he knew what he was talking about, etc. Um, our interaction kind of was determined by the effects we produced on one another. Fine. Um, but all of the range of my communicative practices were not necessarily affecting the plumber. And if I happened to engage in one practice or another, 
the effect might have a lower degree of intensity versus a higher degree of intensity. So let's say I was really annoyed with something the plumber said and I expressed that annoyance and that annoyance produced an effect. The plumber would register the annoyance, might get a little annoyed in return, but the, the severity, the depth, the uh, intensity of the plumber's response would not be so great because we're strangers to each other. So the thing is, in intimate interpersonal relationships, it matters more the closer you are to someone because the more intense and profound and lasting and significant the effects that you produce are. Now, I think that these days it's kind of in vogue um, in like I read the internet and Yahoo and whatever website says whatever. And people like to say, oh, you know, you need to be happy on your own before you can be in a relationship. Um, you should work on yourself first. That's really important. Your partner is not responsible for your happiness. You're responsible for your own happiness. That's a bunch of baloney. It's nonsense. It's crap. You are responsible so one partner is responsible for the other partner's feelings. The reason one partner is responsible for the other partner's feelings is because one partner cannot, and this goes back to the first or second episode, cannot not communicate or cannot not produce effects. It's impossible in an intimate interpersonal relationship for one partner to not be constantly and profoundly and deeply affecting the other partner through their practices. So in that way, each partner is wholly and completely and profoundly responsible for the other partner's feelings. And it matters a great deal what you say and what you don't say and how you act and how you don't act toward your partner because what you say and what you don't say has that intense, profound, uh, significant effect. You can't... Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you can't have a successful or positive or nurturing or loving interpersonal relationship unless you take some ownership over that reality. Um, unless you take some ownership over the fact that the closer you are to someone, the more it matters what you say to them because the more profound effect you have on them. Um, and the more... And, and the way in which that implicates you as the responsible agent in the other person's feelings. I think I must have said in some episode, um, hopefully we, I, I don't remember if I talked about emotional contagion yet, um, but there's this concept that like my happiness can be contagious to others. Others can kind of catch my happiness. And this is the thing because we have these things called mirror neurons in our bodies. Um, well, that's especially true in interpersonal relationships. So if you're really depressed and really angry and are unaware of the fact that that emotional state and your, the way you communicate about it um, matters a great deal to your partner and affects your partner's emotional state and you have to take some responsibility for the feelings you're producing in, in your partner because of that state, um, I don't see how you could have a successful relationship unless you kind of acknowledge those things. Not to say that people who are depressed can't have successful relationships, but those people have to at least have a deep awareness of the ways in which that the communicative practices that manifest themselves from that depression 
matter to the other person, affect the other person, and ultimately um, demonstrate or um, or drive the other person's emotional state, or and and the ways in which those kinds of communicative practices demonstrate responsibility for that other person's emotional state. Um, so what you say matters because it affects the other person. In an intimate relationship, that effect is deep and profound. And one of the effects is that you become responsible for the other's feelings. So if you're in a relationship right now with your partner, you need to be asking yourself, okay, uh, what am I, how am I contributing to my partner's feelings? Uh, how am I affecting them? Am I aware of the, all the ways in which I'm affecting them? And here at this point, I want to make a small distinction between what I will call micro communication practices and macro communication practices. And there are um, some really basic, really clear macro communication practices that we know work, um, that we have evidence for that suggest that these are the kinds of things that can produce profoundly positive effects on one's partner. So let me do the macro ones first. They're easier, and then we'll talk a little bit about micro-communication practices and how profound those are in intimate relationships. What I mean by a macro-communication practice is a literally clear, large-scale attempt to uh, produce an effect, uh, a positive effect on your partner that takes ownership over your responsibility for their feelings. Okay, and there are basically, I'd say, five um, significant macro-communication practices one can engage in with one's partner. Uh, the first is what some therapists call words of affirmation or languages of affirmation or affirmative talk. And affirmative talk is a way of explicitly and clearly stating the things about your partner that you appreciate. So um, if, you know, they ran an errand for you, um, uh, if they make you coffee in the morning, um, if your partner kind of gives you a back rub, if your partner just is a really thoughtful and smart person who offers these thoughtful and intelligent comments throughout the day that help you see things differently. Uh, one person, the other partner's job, is, their responsibility is to say, I appreciate how thoughtful you are all the time. You give me great insight into what's going on and I couldn't uh, see the world the same way without you. So thank you for that. It's, uh, I, I, you know, I appreciate it. Uh, those are words of affirmation, and you can't love someone without affirming them or without showing those that language of affirmation. Um, it is one of the macro communication practices that communicate love, that produce the feeling of uh, love in one's partner. Okay, so words of affirmation. Um, another macro kind of communicative practice that... Um, we can talk about is really simply gift giving. So uh, gift giving, um, the gift, the material object that you give uh, carries a significance or a meaning. It communicates something to your partner. Um, it doesn't matter if like, uh, if I'm at the grocery store or I'm at the pharmacy and I know my partner really likes a special kind of chocolate bar and they happen to have it there and I buy the chocolate bar and I bring it home and I say, oh, you know, I was at the pharmacy and I got this chocolate bar for you. That gift is a representation of something else. It's the symbolic vehicle um, for uh, that demonstrates that you were thinking about, concerned with, 
uh, aware of, attuned to this other person's interests and needs and desires or wishes. Um, gift giving, we don't know, there's no culture that we've ever kind of uncovered where people don't use gift giving as a sign of love. Um, it's really stupid that, you know, in our culture, we have this thing like when men screw up and they give women flowers and everything will be fine. Um, that's not really, really what I mean. It's the kind of reverse, um, it's leveraging the language of gift giving for positive loving effects, but only after damage has been done by likely micro communication practices, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, anyway, but gift giving is a way of taking ownership over the fact that you have these profound effects on, um, on your partner and you're responsible for their feelings. Third are, um, acts of service. So an act of service is something you can explicitly do for your partner um, that they wouldn't have done or thought themselves. Um, and this is an example from a romantic relationship, but I used to work in a restaurant and uh, one of my closest and dearest friends worked with me. Um, and we would do acts of service for each other all the time to show the love and the bond between us. And by that I meant if one of us had to do something, like it's a restaurant, we were line cooks, it was a very busy place, there's lots going on. Um, if you see the other person doing something on another part of the kitchen and you you can anticipate what's what they have to do next and you do that thing for them like let's say you set up the plate for them that they're about to put the food on and then you leave the plate right in front so when they turn around the plate is there all set up for them already they haven't had to do five extra things you did them for them that's an act of service and it communicates a profound sort of love and affection for the person you've just served because you've put their interests and their needs and their wishes above and beyond your own. You've done something for them before thinking about what you do for, what, what you have to do for yourself. So it communicates in a very powerful way that the other person matters to you and that you're attuned to their needs and their, their wishes and their desires. Um, it's a great way of taking ownership over or responsibility for your the other person's feelings. Uh, fourth is touch. This is kind of an obvious one, but uh, touch you know, hugging, kissing, putting your hand on your shoulder, holding hands, these things, um, these things communicate or produce these profound physiological effects on uh, another person. We know that touch can um, make someone happier, make someone feel better. Um, we know that people that don't get touched uh, have trouble with developing, etc. Uh, some people out there that might be listening to this don't like or feel comfortable touching others, that's a problem. In an intimate, interpersonal relationship, you have to kind of uh, develop a language of touch in order to take responsibility for the, your partner's feelings. And the fourth thing, is, uh, the fifth uh, macro communication practice is just uh, quality time, what I would call quality time. You have to, or, or one needs to spend time with one's partner doing things that are either important to their partner or that they share or that are new and novel and interesting. Um, quality time is a way of leveraging the circumstances in which you find yourself to um, affect your partner's well-being or state. It's easy when you first start dating. If you first start dating someone, you go to an amusement park and it's a lot of fun. And that fun um, is contagious to the relationship. So if you take your date on a roller coaster ride on the first date and you're excited and everything's going well and it's fun, there starts to be an association between your partner and the feelings that you get from 
the roller coaster. Okay, that's fine. Later on in the in the relationship, you might not be going to to amusement parks together, but you still need to find mechanisms or find moments of quality time whereby the thing that you're doing together um, can be leveraged as a resource for the positive effects um, that you want to produce on your partner. So those are big kind of things you could do to take ownership over or responsibility for um, the feelings of your partner. You should, everybody should be well-versed in all five of those communication practices. If you want to have a successful interpersonal relationship, you ought to be doing all five of those things. You ought to be sharing words of affirmation. You ought to be giving gifts. You ought to be doing things, serving the other person. You ought to be touching them and you ought to be spending quality time with them. If you're not doing all five of those things, odds are you're not in a very good interpersonal relationship or the kinds of effects that you're having on your partner are not as positive as they need to be. Um, I want to switch to micro communication practices for a second. And these can be uh, quite damning or damaging to interpersonal relationships. Micro communication practices sometimes matter a little less with strangers. They're not quite as profound. But in interpersonal relationships, the micro communication practices are incredibly important. Um, by a micro communication practice, I mean a small thing or a small moment or a part of a communicative interaction that may seem slightly insignificant at the moment, but actually registers a profound effect on another person. Uh, I'm thinking in particular about tone of voice. Tone is so important. Um, tone can, can determine the meaning of a sentence or um, the meaning of an interaction, but oftentimes it's something we go that goes unnoticed. Well, every time we interact with our partner, we have a tone, and that tone could be undermining or could be producing profound effects regardless of the conversation. I mean, we could be having a conversation, you know, what are you doing later? Um, you know, what's your schedule like this week? Could be the topic of the conversation, something really boring and, mon and mundane. But a micro-communication practice is that the tone underlying that could communicate some frustration or anger or disdain or any one of a number of hostile feelings. And if it's doing that and you do that repeatedly over time, it can have disastrous consequences for the quality of the relationship. Um, because you, you, one partner thinks on the surface, oh, I'm being really considerate by discussing my other partner's uh, schedule for the week. And I want, I'm really interested in knowing about what's happening, when it's happening and coordinating things with her or with him. But underlying that, there's this micro kind of hostility about the whole thing. And you haven't, as one partner, has not worked through that where that hostility comes from. But the hostility is being communicated. The micro communication practice is subverting the macro one. It's like if I give someone a gift, uh, but I'm annoyed that I had to spend too much money on it or that it took me too long to get at the store. So let's say I go to the store to buy my beloved uh, present and it took me like three hours and I was only supposed to take 30 minutes and I get home and I'm like, oh, I bought you this present. And underlying it is this kind of tone of resignation or frustration at the present. It's going to undermine the macro communication practice. That micro thing, that micro kind of tone uh, will destroy or ruin the gift giving. Um, you see, partners are so attuned to one another and like I said, the closer you are, the more you affect another person. The closer you are, it means the more profound those micro-communication practices are for the other person. The more profound those micro-communication practices are in terms of the effect that they produce on that other person. 
and the more uh, you need to attend to or pay attention to them. Another micro-communication practice I might think of is just sort of attentiveness and the way in which you listen. Um, so if your partner comes home from work and you think you say, oh, you know, uh, did you have a good day? I see you picked up some lemons. I appreciate the fact that you picked up lemons. Meanwhile, you're reading the paper or looking down. Uh, you have your glasses on or you're staring at your phone. Um, you can say to yourself, oh, I'm engaged in all these macro level positive communication practices, but your attention is drawn elsewhere. It's turned elsewhere. And that might not be an explicit part of the conversation, but it is communicated and that does have an effect on your partner. Um, those small little things, and so here's the other thing about interpersonal relationships, those small little things accumulate very quickly and they also kind of mold themselves into habits. So here's another example of a micro-communication practice. It is undoubtedly the case that um, if you're in a long-term partnership, you have a way of greeting, a way of saying goodbye with your partner that's likely emerged as a habit over time. That small micro moment um, contains within it a profound communicative effect. Um, whether you kiss your partner goodbye or hello, uh, whether you pat them on the back, whether you touch their arm, whether you don't even look at them, whether you just say, see you later as you're running out the door, attending to something else that you're doing. Um, those very small moments can also accumulate and have profound effects. Um, in terms of micro-communication practices, I'd say also what you don't do has an effect. So, um, you know, you when you are engaged in specific things, so, uh, or let me put it like this, sometimes you're not saying things. And when you're not saying things, the that is also profoundly affecting your partner. Um, it's a form of withholding thoughts or feelings or ideas. And that withholding is a kind of micro communication practice because your, par your partner is profoundly affected by the withholding or the things you're not saying. And oftentimes affected in ways that you can't predict or know necessarily. Um, many people are prone to the habit of just not being very good quote, quote unquote communicators, by which they mean they're not very good at self-disclosing or saying the things that are on their mind. Um, and that can be, or that can have a profoundly negative effect also on, uh, on one's partner. Um, all of these, what happens, like, like I was saying before, all these micro practices, tone, attentiveness, um, whether or not you appear aloof or distant from your partner can be a micro communication practice. They can build and build and build and you can't, they always have profound effects. You can't not affect your partner through those micro sorts of ways. That's what makes interpersonal relationships so uh, delicate or tricky. Uh, because there's so many moments. And if you live with your partner, for example, you're constantly through micro communication practices affecting them all the time. Uh, there's so many moments in which the two of you are around one another and that you're affecting one another, it's unavoidable. Um, so those, you know, those micro communication practices and those macro communication practices are both ways of taking responsibility or ownership for your partner's feelings. 
and they're really essential to successful interpersonal relationships. Um, so I'd like to keep talking about interpersonal relationships in the next couple of episodes also. So we're going to stay on this track for um, maybe for episodes 12 and episodes 13. So this has been episode 11 of Now We're Talking, a podcast about communication skills with, uh, well, I'm Rob Danish, and I hope everyone has a good week. I'll see you or I'll talk to you next week. Thanks.